this week. Welcome to season four of the PhD Talk podcast, and thank you so much for listening all these years. It's summertime in Paris. Parisians are sunbathing at Paris Plage. It's peaceful. Well, not at all at Paris Saint-Germain. So many things are happening. The Neymar saga, players leaving, players arriving, and a returning high-profile sports director. Talking about high-profile, ESPN's Jonathan Johnson is back with us today. This is PSG Talking. Hello everyone, new season, season four. It's been four years. Can you believe it? I can't. Uh, first episode of the season and uh, a special guest, Jonathan Johnson from ESPN is here. And we have another Jonathan, first podcast for uh, Jonathan from PSG Talk. And in the upper left corner, you see this sleek black and white picture. It's Ed. Glad to have you all. Goodness hey gracious. guys, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, it's, um, it's one of these summers again. And it seems that if you're a PSG fan, that's what you're going to get. It's Hollywood FC. What is going on? Well, we have someone who knows. Um, and, you know, um, we'll, we'll be happy to hear your inputs. Because at this point, is Neymar staying? Is Neymar going? Looks like Mbappe is staying. He made it clear. He, he tweeted. He basically closed the mouth of the Spanish media. So that's, that's down. Leonardo is apparently back in. He hasn't opened his mouth. Not a word. Nothing. Not a tweet. Absolutely nothing from Leonardo. He's been following a lot of guys on Instagram. Great. <laughs> um, he's keeping it low. Um, until something big happens. Either Neymar goes or Neymar stays or there's a big sign-in. Talking about sign-in, we had uh, two very interesting sign-in uh, with Sarabia and Herrera, Herrera, no surprise. Sarabia was a surprise and it's kind of a new concept at Paris Saint-Germain not to not only overpay but underpay. He was uh, bought for 18 million euros which was his, his release clause. He had 17 assists, 13 goals last season uh, in La Liga, only Messi did better. And one stat I really like about him, nine yellow cards. He's a gritty, offensive, versatile midfielder. Uh, we may hear about a couple of new signings, uh, a new keeper, third keeper. I can't pronounce, I don't remember his name. Really young guy, a giant. And then there's also a really young German defender uh, who is going to join. And Jonathan, you will tell us, we don't have a reserve team anymore. So <laughs> what are these guys going to do? Let's start, let's start with that. I know it's not really, Ed, sorry, it's not really in the, in the script, but what is going to happen to all, all these young players at, at Paris Saint-Germain if there's no reserve team? What are they going to do? Are they going to be loaned out? 
the idea? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea is that they will get much more significant experience elsewhere. I mean, one of the things that's been talked about for years and it's not really happened is PSG locating a satellite club. So there's a number of teams in uh, Ligue 2. Uh, Louis Fernandez has been particularly involved in this, especially after he was pushed uh, aside sort of with regards to the day-to-day running of the, the Youth Academy by Antero Enrique uh, in finding a, a, a club suitable to take PSG's best Youth Academy graduates, send them there so they can get significant match experience, sort of learn what it's like to be at a, a, a big club, preferably one competing for, for promotion from Ligue 2. Uh, and that would help them become sort of match ready for PSG's uh, senior level uh, much, much quicker uh, than they would do playing for the reserves. And, uh, you know, it's a good idea in theory. Um, I just think that the links with certain clubs probably need to be a little stronger. Uh, you know, even even the likes of uh, Thiago Motta, who was, who was coaching the under-19s last season, felt that the players weren't really being tested enough um, at reserve level. So it was actually four um, sort of the 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 abolition of the of the reserve team. So the idea at this moment in time is to find a number of clubs in League Two that PSG can regularly send the, the best young players to to give them experience that actually gives them a shot of making it for PSG at senior level and not just being these players that sort of continually sign new contracts and then get sold on for you know a relatively small fee um, somewhere down the line. You know we've seen it with uh, the likes of Jeter and Hobay, um, but you know, PSG are hoping to sort of change that and actually be able to, uh, you know, sort of bring guys into the fold a la Clément Chantom years ago, um, you know, and have a, have a number of youth academy graduates who actually make up uh, part of the squad. So, you know, think, think along the lines of clubs like Lens, um, you know, potentially like Valenciennes and Orléans as well. Those kind of clubs are the ones that PSG are going to look to farm out some of their their best young young talent to. Uh, in terms of players like Marcel Bulka, the, the the goalkeeper from from Chelsea, who's expected to sign, um, I don't know if PSG would loan him out. Uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and see exactly how the goalkeeper position uh, shakes out. I think it's a really good thing that Thomas Tuchel at the end of last season said that he really wanted to bring an end to the you know the ridiculousness that's plagued this position because. It predated him by a number of years. Uh, you know, it wasn't just Ariola against Buffon. Uh, you know, before that, uh, you know, Ariola was in competition with Trap, and then before that, Trap was in competition with Sirigu. I think it's important, whoever it is, um, as much as I would love it to be Ariola. Um, you know, somebody needs to be given the number one jersey moving forward, um, and for there to be a clear hierarchy in that in that position. So I don't think Bulko is going to come in and uh, you know be. Certainly not be the first choice. I doubt he'd be the second choice either. Um, so if he is third choice, then yeah, perhaps um, you know PSG will grant him the loan move that, that he craved when he was at Chelsea because that's one of the reasons why he decided not to sign a contract there. You still believe in Areola? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the reason for that, I mean, okay, I know, I know he has his critics and yeah, he does have his moments where he occasionally drops a, a bit of a blunder. Uh, how many goalkeepers in world football don't? Uh, you know, you can look at the likes of David De Gea, Jan Oblak. Yeah, it's, you know, it's few and far between, but they do still, uh, you know, occasionally make mistakes. So Ariola's not alone in that. I think the, the thing that has really affected Ariola in the last couple of years, particularly since he's emerged as a, a credible starting option, is that he's never had the, the full support of a, of, of a coach saying, you are number one, you're going to be playing you know, pretty much every important match this season, so go and show me what you can do. Tuchel came close 
uh, last season. But obviously, when it came down to the crunch, you know, we found Buffon between the sticks, notably uh, against Manchester United at home. And, you know, it's those kind of decisions that you could, you could argue, you know, sometimes affect the course of your season. I'm, I'm not going to blame the entire Manchester United result on, uh, on Buffon, but I do feel it was one of a number of uh, selections that Tuchel made on that evening that, uh, that contributed to, to that failure. Yeah, it has been an issue for these past year, three, four years, uh, on top of our midfield issue. But maybe it's still not a number one priority to hire a very experienced, very expensive keeper. Maybe we can go and give Areola his chance this season. Um, it's looking like Trapp. And Frankfurt, nothing's happening. He was supposed to be signed back Frankfurt. Now there's rumors he's going to be back. So he may, he yeah. may, he may be number two. I mean, I mean the, the coach was speaking about this just, uh, just the other day. Um, it's interesting. Obviously, Frankfurt are working very hard to keep Trap. Uh, Trap is open to the move. So it's possible that he will return to PSG while talks um, are ongoing between the two clubs. Uh, but it does look like Trap will probably be out of the door come the beginning of the actual season. You just might have to spend a part of preseason at PSG while the while the fee gets sorted out and while while his contract gets sorted out. But Frankfurt are very keen to keep him, and he's he's keen to make the move there permanent. I mean, it's you know on on paper, you know, you look at the the options PSG have: Ariola, Trap. Uh, you know, through uh, two very good goalkeepers. Um, Either one, you know, could be number one if given the, if you know, if given the right opportunity, if given the confidence. Um, but it does seem that that Leonardo is very keen to bring in Donnarumma. I, I completely agree with you. I think there's more important positions to put money into um, than in goal. But if this is a decision that's going to be made, sort of with the next ten years in mind, which uh, you know is 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 a possibility with Donnarumma considering his age. Uh, you know, I think it's you know, yeah, maybe it's the it's the time to do it. He's a monster. He's a potential monster. Uh, but we could go for Donnarumma next season and keep the money. All right, so we're talking about all these players. But there's, great. Um, but there's, no better, there's no better time to move for, uh, for Donnarumma than now, though, with AC Milan having their financial fair play issues, something that PSG are very familiar with. Leonardo knows the inner workings of the club, knows the player. Um, I, I think the, the, the key for PSG there is being able to drive the price down uh, Milan are looking for around 50 million euros and if yeah. Ariola could be persuaded to make the move that would obviously significantly drive the cost down you know we're talking to perhaps maybe even half the price so 25 million in Ariola for for, for Donnarumma uh, you know I think that would be that would be good business and you know it feels like good business at this moment in time is the is the theme of this transfer window so far so far all right Neymar <laughs> what What's happening? Um, I'll give you my two cents and then I'll let you talk because you know what you're talking about. So Nasser had a strange speech, um, very vague, but basically opening the door for players at Paris Saint-Germain who want to leave if they want to leave. Uh, people said, well, that's for Mbappé. Well, it looks like it was for Neymar. Um, so... There's been so many rumors these past three weeks. I think everybody's disgusted. If you go to on the forums, people are like, like the Neymar news on Reddit. Nobody's clicking on them anymore. It's like, come on. The image of the player is at its very bottom. 
Barcelona fans are like, PSG fans are like, eh. Um, it seems, as for today, I gathered some hints and news here and there, that he's going to stay. What's your input on that? What's your, what's your idea? Is he staying? Is he going? What do, you, do you know? Uh, it's really hard to say at this moment in time. I mean, PSG would like to keep him, yes, um, but they would like to keep him if certain conditions are met. And one of those, most importantly, is that Neymar is more professional on and off the pitch. Uh, I'd, I'd say that we can't really criticize him that much for his professionalism on the pitch. The, the real issue on the pitch is how often he's on the pitch or how little he's on the pitch when it comes to the, the crunch part of the season. For sure. Uh, obvious, obviously, the, you know, there's a, there's a large element of misfortune um, in the injuries that he's suffered in each of his two seasons with PSG so far. But the bottom line is, um, going back to Al Halefi's um, comments, I don't really believe they were aimed at, at, at Mbappe. Yeah, part of it, you know, was, was sort of for, for Mbappe, but that, that particular part about a player, you know, the door being open for them if they didn't want to be at the club, that was that was for Neymar. PSG don't really feel like he's, you know, that committed to the project that he left Barcelona for, and rightly so. Uh, and it feels like a lot of stuff off the pitch has overtaken what happens on the pitch. I mean, perhaps that's just, a, you know, the natural result of having a lot of time on his hands with the injuries that he's had. But, you know, it's no secret to anyone that you know wherever Neymar goes, there's a circus that follows him, um, and that is what PSG really you know really want to get rid of. It was one of the factors that that came into thinking when Dani Alves's new contract was discussed. Um, PSG wanted to keep a player of his experience, you know, a serial winner, um, but sort of didn't want the. You know, he's he's a bit too soft with with Neymar. Um, you know, he's not the kind of guy who would say to Neymar, "Look, you know what you're doing is is is, is wrong." He's very pro Neymar. He's always, um, you know, telling him that he is, uh, you, you know, the best, and it's not necessarily the, you know, the, the the hard line that needs to be taken with Neymar at this at this moment in time. Neymar, wherever he goes next, uh, needs some needs some tough love, and Neymar himself actually needs to come out and say, you know, what he really wants. If he wants to stay at PSG, if he, he wants to go to if he wants to go somewhere else, but he's it's not doing just it. no, he's not, and I, you know, I think that is, uh, you know, is, is, is only going to continue to, to damage his reputation. You know, he's got a lot on his plate at the moment with everything that's going on in Brazil, um, and a lot of people have lost sight of the fact that when he's fit and in form, Neymar is a phenomenal player. You know, fine, very, very enjoyable to watch, um, but. People don't remember that at this moment in time because he's played so little, uh, especially since the beginning of the year. So what he needs to do right now is make a decision on his future. If he wants to go, put everything into making that move happen. If he wants to stay, come back, sort of embrace this new professionalism that PSG are bringing in, uh, you know, and, and really show people that you know he wants to to make a success of his time in Paris. Uh, you know, I think people would respect Neymar more for either coming out and saying you know, this hasn't worked out for me, I want to go, or, uh, you know, sort of coming back and making a fist of it and really trying to sort of fight to at least complete one full season with PSG and try to achieve something in the Champions League this coming season. How do you think the Neymar, so let's, let's say staying, uh, the Neymar-Leonardo relationship is going to go? What, 
you, you know Leonardo, you know how fiery he can be. Um, but he's Brazilian. They speak the same language. They have the same culture. Um, is it good news for Neymar that Leonardo came back to Paris Saint-Germain or not? It's potentially good news. I mean, it depends on the, the relationship that they forge. Something very important to bear in mind about Leonardo and Neymar. Yes, they do know each other. They don't have a particularly close relationship. Yeah, Leonardo was interested in signing Neymar for PSG way back at the beginning of the, right. of the Qatari project. But, you know, they're not particularly close. Um, but, you know, they, they, they could potentially grow close, obviously, you know, both speaking, both being Brazilian, both speaking Portuguese. Um, you know, so, so if Neymar wanted to, uh, to strike up a, a close relationship with Leonardo, depending on how their two characters interact, yeah, you know, I think it's possible. But the thing with Leonardo to bear in mind, uh, and, and most PSG fans should already know this, is that nobody is going to be safe um, now that he's here. You know, you think back to uh, Antoine Comboire getting sacked um, in order to make space for Carlo Ancelotti, um, you know, back at the beginning of the, the Qatari project. Thomas Tuchel knows that, must know that his days are uh, numbered if he doesn't get the results that the PSG crave, you know, pretty much immediately from the beginning of this coming season. Uh, I, I'd say that his days are potentially numbered even if PSG are winning every match because I think that Leonardo ultimately will probably want to work with his own man. But we'll see how that goes. You know, at the moment, Tuchel is, is staying in place. Um, and, you know, Neymar, I think, you know, has the, has, has the option of, uh, of, of getting, a, getting that close relationship with, with Leonardo and, and coming back into the fold for PSG. But it, the, the question is whether he really wants it, whether having a Brazilian sporting director, somebody he can, he can speak to and confide in, uh, you know, would really be enough to, to make him happy in Paris and happy uh, with PSG. Uh, you know, I, I'm not convinced that, that that would be enough, but that's not to say that Leonardo won't try, um, you know, his best to, to, to try and keep him. But if, Leon, if Neymar does make up his mind, you know, I'm sure Leonardo will try to get the, the absolute best possible deal for PSG. Everybody is delighted about the return of Leonardo. Um, there's a love, a, a tradition of, of a Brazilian feel in Paris Saint-Germain. Long tradition of great Brazilian players, but also pa Parisians like the, the classy type of Brazilian <laughs> players, like Rai. You know, Leonardo yeah. had that sass, that class. In many ways, he is Paris Saint-Germain. He is the image that we project on. This is what we want to be. We're not there yet. But do you think the return of Leonardo may have something to do with Nasser? So I see two things with Nasser. He's president of Paris Saint-Germain, president of Being Sport, President of Miramax Studio, Vice President of the Asian uh, uh, Tennis Federation. He's at the board of uh, QSI, and he's uh, one of all the representatives of the European Club Association. Any one of these jobs, maybe not the, t the Tennis Federation, the Asian Tennis Federation, is almost a <laughs> job. He must sleep two hours a night. It's insane. And last season, Nasser wasn't there. He's been seen on camera. 
he's really good at with that. But really, it felt like the club was looser. And then the second issue is he's got a few affairs. I mean, <laughs> all those hot seats, you know, uh, he's been, there's been rumors with being like there was some, you know, shenanigans going on. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen to Nasser, but do you see a connection with, uh, between the return of Leonardo and the Nasser situation, or, or, or you don't? No, absolutely, you're, you're right. And, you know, there is a connection. At the end of the day, <clears throat> um, you know, QSI, when, when the whole group gets together, uh, basically had to think, you know, who can we bring in to sort of take a bit of the pressure off of, off of Nasser? You know, he is in battle. Like you said, he's got a number of different positions. Um, that he holds, as well as the, the, the other stuff that he's got on his plate. Um, and Leonardo was the, 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 the guy that QSI trusts the most. Uh, you know, Leonardo is a guy who comes in and, and has a direct line to the Emir in the same way that, uh, that NASA does. And basically, this is going to enable NASA to sort of um, take a step back, right. concentrate on everything that he's got going on, um, you know, try and clear that situation up and for, for PSG to, uh, you know, to not descend into anarchy like, uh, like, like, like it happened last season, you know. Enrique had two, two seasons to show that he could be the real strong man for, for PSG and the only time that he really seemed to be the strong man was at the negotiating table when it came to selling players. Uh, you know, he, he rarely um, took a took a strong line when there were big issues that needed somebody to come out and speak publicly. I mean, take Penalty Gate for example, which was ridiculous. You know, it was something stupid that that lasted a lot longer than it should have done. Um, and recent comments, uh, you know, from players who were involved, uh, you know, such as such as Edinson Cavani, made it clear that um, you know, actually, obviously, there was a lot of speculation about it at the time. But Unai Emery, you know didn't really have the, have, have the balls to make a decision about who should be taking penalties. And, you know, in that sort of situation, you need somebody, at, you know, at the top of the club who's going to take a stupid situation like that, you know, basically a playground argument that, uh, you know, that spilled over and was massively amplified, yeah. uh, you know, and, and just completely settle it. Um, Enrique didn't do that. Leonardo will do that, I'm confident, if, if such an issue arises in the future. But crucially, you know, NASA didn't either. So I'd say that, you know, his absence that you mentioned last season, you know, has actually probably been going on, uh, you know, a bit longer than that. You know, we're probably talking about the best part of the last 18 months. Uh, you know, so I think bringing Leonardo in definitely um, is going to uh, enable NASA to finally take a step back and sort of not feel obliged to have to step in at, at, at certain moments. Um, you know, and PSG will still have somebody steering the ship in, uh, in his absence. Yeah, co communication from the club last season has been really, really bad. It may have something to do also with the fact that the director of communication of Paris Saint-Germain is also director of communication of Being Sports. He's also Jean-Marcial Rib, uh, communication director of Miramax Studio. <laughs> it seems like yeah, there's, a, there's a pattern there. But uh, hopefully, so what you're saying is, pretty much Leonardo is going to be the face of Paris Saint-Germain and the boss of Paris Saint-Germain now. And that sounds like really, really, really good news. Yeah, it is. But I think it's really, really good news on paper and to our ears at this moment in time. We'll have to see how it works out, but it's definitely a step in the right direction for sure. 
So the club has spent about 18 million so far. Well, officially, uh, there was a uh, little amount of money given to Herrera, who signed on the free, but you know, he didn't come for nothing. Um, there were rumors that we may have a wallet between with around 100 to 150 to 200 million euros for this uh, summer transfer window, plus player sales. So this is great. Um, Herrera is so needed. But the crucial position, the needed position, and if you've been listening to this podcast and listening to my rants, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, a pure, athletic, dynamic, defensive midfielder. Tall, we can secure the ball in the air, we can buffer with the central defense and protect the central defense. There was a vague rumor with uh, Milinkovic Savic. The gay rumor <laughs> went away. Any, any news on that particular position? Have you heard anything? Uh, first of all, on, the, <clears throat> on the, the spend of PSG so far this summer, I believe it's a bit higher than the, the 18 million that's being talked about for Sarabia. Uh, it's, no, it's no higher than 22 million, uh, but there was, uh, there's sort of a few discrepancies on the amount of the minimum right. fee released. Some saying 18, some saying 20. Uh, I'm told that it's more likely to be around 20 than 18, but still... Uh, you know, it's good business. And like you said, uh, you know, Herrera coming in as well, um, obviously didn't come with a transfer fee, but you know, there was a, a significant signing on uh, bonus. Uh, Leonardo actually did, um, you know, sort of consider whether it was something he wanted to go through with, because obviously this was a deal that was worked out with uh, Antero Enrique playing a, playing a key role. But PSG have ultimately gone for it. And I, I think that, it, that it's... It's been good business so far. Herrera comes in and immediately fills the void left by Rabio, which I think is it's a good thing in a way that PSG now have drawn a line under this chapter with him. Um, it's a shame the way it ended up could have been, uh, you know, a beautiful story, but uh, you know that's water under the bridge now. Um, well, Rabia, not, also, not yet, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah, Sarabia is also is also a good move. So yeah, now it leaves defensive midfield as one of the the absolute key positions. Thomas Tuchel has his opinion, has had his opinion since he arrived at the club. He wants Julian Weigel. That's somebody that PSG is still looking into, somebody who's still affordable, but you know there are question marks over him. He's, he seems to be quite a fragile guy. Um, he does seem to be quite versatile, played a fair bit of last season with Borussia Dortmund in central defence, yeah. uh, but he doesn't seem to have the, the unanimity um, that, that you really need in order to get a transfer done at PSG these days. Um, and somebody like Milinkovic Savic seems to fit the, the, the PSG bill more so than yeah, somebody yeah. like Michael. The interest in Milinkovic Savic is, uh, is real. There's a number of players in Italy that Leonardo is keeping an eye on. Sandro Tonalio is somebody that uh, Leonardo believes could, could, could be like a new variety. Yeah. So maybe to replace eventually to replace Verratti, but none of these guys fit the the profile really. I mean, even Savage is a is a big guy, but he's very technical. He's not really a pure defensive midfielder. He's versatile. But, but what but what is the but what is the profile? I mean, are we looking for um, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the air to Thiago Motta's throne because the thing is, it's, no, 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 we we. 
we would have that with, you're going to laugh, but Paredes is more of that profile. So the, the organizer in the back, he sits in between his central defenders and he organizes, you know, it's the link between the defense and the midfield. Verity doesn't, I mean, he can do that, but he's, he's five feet, two, 40 kilos. Uh, defensively, it's a little difficult. Uh, Weigel is a similar player to Paredes, not exactly the same profile. He's not a pure ball winner DM, and we don't have anyone like this at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, there's many, 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 many in the Premier League. Every single club in the Premier League are these big guys. I mean, Tottenham just signing uh, Ndombele um, in the higher stage of the Champions League. If you don't have a player like this, uh, chances are you're going to suffer in midfield. And we don't have... Yeah, and, and I know what you're saying. And I, I mean, you're mentioning Paredes a couple of times. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys who wants to see Paredes given a full season. Oh, yeah. It's, it would be That's quite harsh to see, him shown the, to, shown, to, be, to see him shown the door immediately. Uh, however... What I'm told, what I understand is that if um, a suitable offer is made or he can be included in some sort of deal, he will be utilized and, and, right. and sent elsewhere. Uh, I, I think that would be harsh and I'd like to see what he yeah. could do given a full season. But if Tuchel feels that he's not really the ideal player to work with, um, I think it would be a shame to just have him sort of warming the, warming the bench. I can see why a lot of people feel it was money that was not that well spent at this moment in time. But it's, it's always very hard to find good value for money in the January transfer window. Uh, you mentioned Gay as well earlier. And those transfer rumors seem to have gone away since Enrique was replaced as, as sporting director. What you can guarantee, um, and it's always the case with Leonardo, is that he will look towards Italy and towards Brazil um, for, for, one of these, uh, for one of these guys to, that he can identify and bring in. Uh, so... You know, it's a question of who is perhaps the best ball-winning ball-winning midfielder in uh, in Italian football or Brazilian football, and that's probably the guy that PSG uh, are going to look to to make uh, to make their move for. Well, they have a month for this. <laughs> uh, summer transfer window closes in a month. Training is uh, resuming on Monday. That's going to be interesting. Uh, our Brazilians are doing well. Um, very well, as a matter of fact, the Brazil has had like three clean sheets in a row. Everybody's talking about Alison Becker. Okay, who's right ahead of him? Two, uh, two very famous Brazilian central defenders, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos, who are having a great Copa America. Uh, the final is on Sunday, and uh, it's looking okay for Brazil. I was saying in one of the podcasts, I was, I was really hoping Neymar had a great Copa America. He would come back, you know, reaching the final or winning it. Okay, that didn't happen. But this is good for uh, Silva and Marquinhos. This is wonderful. Uh, they're having a great, uh, a great time. They probably will win it. And uh, will come back to Paris Saint-Germain completely exhausted, but really, really happy. Um, in, the, in the news, anything, Jonathan, you would like to, to mention? Something, give us, throw us a bone, give us something. Something we haven't... Uh, 
Well, I mean, I, th I think the, the, the recent news about the, the change in the medical department is something that's really, you know, the, 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 that is, it's, it's something that really needed to be addressed. Uh, you know, I think Eric Hono um, being replaced as the medical chief is a, is a step in the right direction. Uh, PSG have been plagued by a number uh, of physical issues over the last couple of years. So I think for them to have recognised that and to have tried to, you know, tried to have a complete overhaul of the of the medical staff is, uh, uh, you know, is, is is the right thing to do. I, I think it could have happened a lot earlier, but it's, yeah. you know, it sounds like they have a, a good replacement in Boldo for um, for Holland. So, you know, I think I think that was something. It's it's been overdue uh, a move like that, um, and you know, something else that was brought up in the in the news earlier this week was also the, the sort of the lessening of the ties with the, the, the Qatar Tourism Authority uh, contract. You know, I think that's also another, um, an another thing that needed to happen because it's something that had sort of been weighing PSG down in terms of their financial fair play issues. But I think now with, uh, with the all sponsorship on the shirt and the new Nike deal, uh, you know, it puts PSG into a, into a different stratosphere. They're in the top four in Europe for, for both. The, you know the kit deal and the the shirt sponsorship. So there's no need for you know a lot of these ties with Qatar to be as strong as they once were. I mean, of course they can they can sort of still be there to associate the name with the club, but uh, you know there's no reason for them to be of an amount that you know becomes um, uh, a contentious issue with uh, with UEFA regarding financial fair play in the future. Was and a that's, deal. That's smart. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I think it was kind of a deal with MFP though. <laughs> That they 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 devalued the QTA contract year after year. It used to be two hundred million euros a year, and uh, for a couple of years, UEFA was like, yeah. And then they they went mm -mm. and they devalued it two times or three times. And I think last season it went down to sixty-two million euros, and that's what I've heard. That they were like, okay, no more of QTA and get rid of it, find something else, and we may, you know, leave you alone for a while. And like you say, the, the Accor uh, jersey sponsorship is incredible. Uh, and then Nike, uh, rumors were like, it's, it's close to 75 million per year? Is that uh, it's, actually, it's actually upwards. Uh, it's more than 80 million and it's less than 83.1 because United remain in front of PSG. So in the top four, you've got Real, Barca, Manchester United and then PSG. Um, so my, my understanding of it is that it's higher than 80 million euros but lower than 83.1. So it's, it's just behind uh, United. Is... Uh Neymar in contract with Nike too? Yeah, he is. So obviously, Imagine. you know, PSG have a number of, a number of Nike um, clients playing for them. Um, and, but yeah, they... They can't let him go. I mean, he's... <laughs> Neymar is a Nike show. Yeah, but Nike also the guys who have to Barcelona to sign Frankie Dion from under PSG's notice. So, you know, we'll have to see... You know what sort of role Nike play in any potential Neymar transfer or him staying at PSG, if if it even you know is a factor in that. Another big uh, soccer event that's going on, football. Sorry, um, the Women's World Cup, who's going on in France, has been a huge success, um, both stadium uh, attendance and TV ratings. 
were huge. The final is on Sunday, is it in Lyon? I think it's in Lyon. Yeah. And uh, Netherlands against USA. The US is going to win that, right? Cannot see any other result, sadly. As much as I would have loved to have seen France overcome the USA at Parc des Princes, it didn't happen. Um, and I think the USA, you know, are probably going to make light work of, uh, of, of the Dutch. Uh, I, th I think it's... There have been some very good matches in the tournament. I've been lucky enough to see to, to see a couple of Parc des Princes. Um, you know, and I think it would have done the, the women's game a lot of good um, in the long run. Uh, I think it's a shame for the French that they couldn't go a bit further on home soil. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they showed a decent account of themselves at times. Um, I, I think they probably could have tapped into their potential a little more. It's very, you know, there's some parallels between the, the French men's team and the French women's team because a lot of people criticise Didier Deschamps and feel that the, the team could be a bit more stylish than they are usually. But the, the saving grace for them is that they normally, or more often than not, get the results. Um, I feel it's quite similar for the women's team under Corinne Diak, but obviously they haven't gotten the results because they didn't go as far as they could. Um, I think it's very, very unfortunate to dominate a team like the USA as much as they did um, in their matchup, but then you know to not be able to score enough to at least take them to extra time and potentially penalties. Uh, you know, so that was a you know that was a bit of a, a kick in the teeth. But uh, you know, overall, I think it's it's been it's been an enjoyable tournament. I think it's fitting that it's going to finish in uh, in Lyon. Uh, it's just a shame that you know it kind of feels like the best matches have already yeah. been played uh, with the with the game between the USA and France. Um, well, it's and because they didn't have Platini as as a, a tournament uh, a director organizer who like can like manipulate the draw. So France-Brazil is in final in you know, 1998. You would have done the same thing with the US. Uh, they should have thought about it. They didn't. <laughs> and then here we go. We met, uh, we met the, probably the winner of the uh, Women World Cup. The physicality of the games was quite interesting. It went up. I don't know what's going on in, in women's soccer, but wow, the, the intensity, the pressing, the defensive transitions, there was a lot of impressive stuff. I haven't, I have to say, I haven't followed women's soccer a lot. Um, I was really, really pleased with that. It's, it's starting really to look interesting and, and really. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a similar position to you where I don't watch, I haven't, I haven't watched too much of it in the past. I mean, yeah, I see some of the, the big games every now and then, particularly when PSG have a big uh, Champions League match or Leon have a, uh, you know, have a big Champions League match where there's a big domestic game. Um, but, you know, it really impressed me, particularly when you had two teams like England and the USA going up against yeah, each other, just yeah. how intense it was and, and how entertaining it was. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of women tennis. A few years ago, uh, they went from, it was very, quote-unquote, casual, and now they are incredibly physical. It's actually, I watch more women tennis than men tennis. And something similar is happening with, with this World Cup and women's soccer in general, Champions League, World Cup. Here in the US, um, of course, Americans are behind their team. They always are. But football, football is exploding. And that's, I think, Ed, you may want to say something about it. It's been, for the past two, three years, 
the interest for the beautiful game is out of control. And I still remember, I forgot, I should have written the name of those journalists on American TV. Soccer is no, never going to make it in the US. No, it made it. It's exploding. It's everywhere. Um, well, it's not as big as, of course, football or basketball yet. But it, it passed uh, um, which sport? Baseball or hockey? I think it passed hockey, hockey in, in terms of uh, TV attendance, which is so now it's the number three sport in the US. And uh, the, the, everybody's talking, my colleagues uh, every day talk about the, the, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and they're super proud. People are behind it. It's in the front uh, uh, headlines of the newspapers. It's big. It's wonderful. We've been trying at PSG Talk mm-hmm. to talk about women's soccer a bit, a bit more, but we really suck about it. We don't know much about it. We're studying, basically, we, we're completely newbies and we've been watching it on and off a little bit more. If any of our uh, listeners, a woman or even a man, uh, knows a lot about women's soccer, wants to come in and teach us, t- tell us what's up, let us know, reach us uh, on Twitter or on, uh, on Reddit. We also are looking uh, for more people for this podcast. So if you have a good podcast voice, uh, let us know. Jonathan, I don't want to take more of your time. Um, thank you so much for, for coming. So you, you see there's daylight in uh, Jonathan's window. It's because, well, it's daylight. Jonathan is <laughs> in Paris. And you see our tired faces, especially these two on the left. I mean, California <laughs> is, uh, what time is it? It's almost 1 a.m. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's 4 a.m., isn't it? It's 4, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thanks, uh, thanks for being so accommodating. Oh, no. no. no of course. Of course. It's always, always a plate here for you and, and a nice comfy seat. Please, <laughs> please come back soon. So, I'd love to. So how do we do this? Um, we're using Zoom. I'm still a little bit newer. Uh, so... I'm going to try to, Jonathan, I'm going to get rid of you. There's, a, there's okay. a button on the window that says dismiss. Thank you, sir. Okay, so do you want me to, uh, you want me to cancel the call and then you can, ah, it's, it also gives me the option to leave meeting. Oh, you can leave. You, you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe cool. it's, it's smoother. Right. Okay. Thanks right. so much, Jonathan. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, looking forward to hearing the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, that was great of Mr. Johnson to uh, come on board for the first podcast of season four. Four years of uh, PSG Talk. We're growing. We still like uh, what we're doing. You guys listening to us seem to like it. It's a wonderful thing. Um, like Jonathan mentioned, and I'll, like I mentioned, the Leonardo Nasser thing. Um, Nasser, there's something going on here. I don't have my, my own sources. It's just an intuition. There's too many events going on. He's being either pulled back or he, he still has full control of the club. And he, like Jonathan mentioned, he may need a relief valve and that's going to be Leonardo. But the, to me, 
it's clear. Leonardo is the new boss at Paris Saint-Germain. He's going to be the face of Paris Saint-Germain. He's going to be the voice of Paris Saint-Germain. He still has to, <laughs> he has to make sure he controls his emotions and doesn't uh, attack referees in the locker room because that will not go well at all. If he can do this, and we still have four weeks of uh, transfer window, if we get a couple of solid players, if we keep Neymar, if there's a French saying that says, with if, you can put Paris in a bottle. If everything happens like this, and um, why not? Because the stars have aligned for these past two, three years in a very negative way. Um, it, it, it reached a voodoo level of, of how unlucky we can be at Paris Saint-Germain. The Neymar, I mean, back-to-back being unavailable again for the crucial games in the Champions League. Remind us of Thiago Silva being unavailable for crucial games. Verratti being unavailable for crucial games. Uh, This has to stop. So maybe that new doctor, who I forgot his name, um, he was at Lyon. OL, and he was at Marseille, and he's coming with a new staff. Maybe they have a plan. We're seeing little things here and there that the club is getting a little tighter. For me, it's a very positive thing, and I allow myself to be optimistic. Jonathan, Jonathan, yes. are you optimistic? I am. Uh, like you said, I think the mark- for this season, yes. Like you said, for the arrival yes. of Leonardo, I think is is a good sign of that that connection between like uh, he has the 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 history of Paris. He he's been here before. He, he represents our past. He uh, he also has that tie the Brazilians, so he can tie the locker room together. And I feel like uh, he he can connect better with the players than Nasser was able to do. Um, but also represent us very well in the no- negotiations, like you saw in the fir- his first thing. Uh, as a sporting director, he was able to bring in Ibrahimovic, Thiago Silva. He brought us pretty far along in the Champions League. I think we made it to the quarterfinals the first uh, couple times. Yep. And I thought once he, it, it, like I said, if he's able to keep his composure and uh, not get suspended, um, it'll be very good for us, I believe. Um, I, I'm very optimistic. Hopefully we can get back to the stage before when he, he uh Ed, despite your, your tired yeah. look and your black and white, uh, <laughs> yeah. image, which is very dark, are yeah. you optimistic for this season? Can we, can, optimistic. We allow, can we allow ourselves to be optimistic? Absolutely, yeah. Very optimistic for the upcoming season. Um, I wrote a piece, and, and the title was PSG are winning the summer transfer window so far. Um, if you look at some of their early signings, I think Jonathan said it's a little bit more than $18 million. Euro, but still, it's not more than 22. I think that's excellent business. I don't think any of the players we signed will win the Champions League for us. However, we getting Andrew Herrera on a free, they will add to the depth in midfield. Um, you have Leonardo coming in and, and helping secure those deals. Um, and he's just stabilizing the ship, as, as Jonathan mentioned. Yeah. Um, Sarah has some issues off the field that he needs to tend to as well as his many other responsibilities so having someone like Leonardo who comes in um, with that cachet he's been at PSG he's made those signings Um, 
people can believe in him. So I think he's going to hold players accountable. Um, and I think that's just a great thing. In, in the past few seasons, some of the failures, a lot of people will point to Nasser and say, you know, the team isn't very professional. They're allowed to do whatever they want. I think all that stops now with Leonardo. So I'm very optimistic for what he's going to do this summer and heading into next season. We uh, got rid of a few young youth academy players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big surprise was Yabi. That's a, that's a loss. That's a loss. Um, yeah. Missed already. But business is business. Uh, the club needed to, before the end of June, close the season. So they had sold Los Celsius for 25. So they needed to sell for like 35. And they did. And they, they, they sold um, they sold Yabi. They sold Wea to uh, Lille, which is great for, for him. Uh, and Kunku could be on their way out. A German club, I forgot which one, is interested. Red Bull, I think. Oh, yeah. Sounds, yeah, Leipzig. Leipzig. Um, there's still some question marks about Kurzawa, Meunier, mm-hmm. Draxler, Areola, Neymar. There was a vague Thiago Silva rumor, but forget about the Thiago Silva rumor. Yeah. Who am I missing? That's it. Oh, Shupo Moting. Oh, guys, Heze. Yes. Oh, I'm going to jinx it. I didn't say anything. Yeah, let's just ignore that. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. So, players out. Two players in. Amazing, amazing business. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to see come in? Uh, okay, let's let's be realistic. Let's say we have up to 80, 90 million for one solid player who's going to be a starter and it's going to have a great impact on the team on the team. Mm-hmm. Ed. Yeah. Your wishes. So I think we're looking for a player. I like Allen at Napoli. I think he's a player. He's Brazilian. He'll, he'll come in. He'll fit in with the team, our Brazilian contingency. And I think he can lock down that defensive midfielder role that you were talking about that we've desperately been looking for. Um, the issue is the type of player that we need, there's not that many of them. And so you're going to need to break the bank. So in order to afford a signing like that, we may need to let Neymar go to Barcelona, get some money, maybe get a couple players in return for depth. Uh, Coutinho would be great uh, out on the wing. Um, but we, I think we would need to raise some more funds to, in order to pay what Napoli is asking for him. But I think that's a player that we should definitely be in on. Would you, would you pay $80 million for a 29-year-old defensive midfielder? It's amazing. I mean, it's great. He's, yeah. He's, he's exactly. I mean, that, that's one side of the argument, but I also wouldn't do what Atletico Madrid just did with Jao Felix. I, I wouldn't pay that amount for a kid who looks like he's 75 pounds soaking wet, you know? And, he, you know, I just wouldn't, and he's wearing braces. Like, I wouldn't pay that kind of money for such a young kid. I would rather splash the cash with someone with experience that's been there and done that. Sure. Jonathan. Yeah, on, on the other side, I think Napoli, we've seen 
recently that they seem to want to up the price for every single player they have or yeah. trying to keep everybody. So, like, I, I, I like, like what Jonathan said, uh, Jonathan Johnson said earlier, and uh, you about um, uh, Sergey uh, Savic, you know, uh, I think he would. Savic, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a, I mean, very interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a very, very interesting fit. Um, like you said, tall. Um, I think somebody that we need somebody like that in our defensive uh, midfield position. I think uh, it, that would be an interesting buy if we, we were able to land him. I have it all planned. So no to Milinkovic Savic, not because he's not the profile we need, even if he's not entirely the profile we need. He'd be great, but he's 70 million. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a pure pit bull. He doesn't need to have a high football IQ. Just get in there and break things. Must smash. And Zonzi apparently hasn't had a great season at AS Roma. And Zonzi is a world champion, French international. Who does that? Deschamps is like, and Zonzi, get in, smash. And he, go, he, he does. And you could tell during the World Cup when he was in, you could see the impact he has. It's like secure the central defense, and he would. And Zonzi is worth 35, 38, 40. So for 70 million or 80 million, you get Enzonzi and Tonali. Have you, have you paid attention to this kid? Oh my God, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Uh, Verratti is 26 or 27. Verratti has been at the club for seven years. It's going to be its eighth season at Paris Saint-Germain. At one point, maybe next season, maybe, you know, or maybe never, but there's a chance he he will want to leave. Paris Saint-Germain is not Mbappé, he's not Neymar, he's not Marquinhos or Thiago Silva. Paris Saint-Germain is Marco Verratti. The team, you see with and without Verratti. It's a catastrophic team without Marco Verratti. Verratti, when he leaves, my goodness, Get Tonali now and, and make him play in the rotation. And, and he has the, the maestro to, to, to tell him what to do. To, Tonali is exceptional. He's exceptional. He's very small too. He's got thighs like that. A center of gravity very low. And he's gritty. He's got a huge football IQ, great short passing, great long passing. He's 18 years old or 19 from Brescia. He's un- unbelievable. Um, if he doesn't go this summer, then you know, next season he's at, he's at 80 million. So that's my wish. Um, get Enzonzi and Tonali instead of Milinkovic Savic. Now, a guy like Gay would be great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, very, very dynamic, uh, physical. A midfield with bench players, rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, most English clubs, if you look at the, the starting line out, they have some names, but there's no mega, mega star. They, they sort of had one and now he's playing for Real Madrid. But my goodness, when a player comes in from the bench, is the same as the others. So they have, a, they have 
I don't know, 40 players in the club about the same level. And when they come in, they give 100%. So that keeps competition up between positions and, and players. Yeah. And that get, for the coach, it's, it's a dream. This is, we are the complete opposite of that at Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> there is no competition between positions. There yeah. is no bench. There's no bench depth. I mean, there's no rotation. I mean, at least last season, I mean, it was laughable, guys. We, some games, the players who were on the pitch were on the pitch because they were fit. Mm-hmm. Not because they were the best. No, no, no. Turel had nobody, nobody, nobody. So spending a big amount on a big name, even if Milinkovic Savic is not a big name, Alan is not a big name, but you know what I'm saying? Like really yeah. expensive because clubs know, they really we're know desperate. we're desperate for midfielders. Yeah. Oh yeah, you want this guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's 35 million for uh, Fiorentina. It's 75 million for you. And that's why I think keeping Paredes this season, I mean, he's had a pretty decent Copa America. I More think if we can, yeah, if we can keep him, see how he progresses within the team, he could be, to borrow a phrase from Arsene Wenger, you know, like a new signing, even though he's already in the team. Um, I think he can really take that next step up and, and be maybe a defensive midfielder player for us that can, you know, play some crucial minutes. So I think this, there's a misunderstanding with Paredes. People were expecting a defensive midfielder. There's a confusion between the, the, the role of a, a DM and the role of a sentinel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a sentinel. So he's, what's a sentinel? Even the, the word itself is confusing. Uh, he's more an orga- organizer, a link between the midfield and the defense and the midfield and the, the attack. And if you look at the, um, Simon Piotr, Piotr, who was on the podcast uh, like a year ago, amazing tactician, he still has a YouTube channel and he will show you he's a system player. And what he does with the Argentinian team, oh my goodness, it's subtle. But this subtlety makes the difference. And people say he's slow. Yeah, he is a bit slow. And some, sometimes he slows down the game, but that's because he's, he's looking at options. So if you have players that understand that, and Messi surely does. Um, it's, so he arrived in, in December, in January, out of the Russian winter. Uh, the Russian league seems to be a little slower than the league one. <laughs> Uh, physically, he was like, okay, League One is no joke. No, it's no joke. That's Neymar. Um, he's, he's had a, you know, difficult beginning at Paris Saint-Germain, but like Jonathan said, I think we all agree. I mean, Jonathan, do you, do you agree with that? To keep Paredes would be a good idea? Yes, I think Paredes, you got to keep him. Like I said, we've already splashed the cash for him. I don't think we'd recoup the type of money that we, uh, we've spent on him. So, at this point, give him a year, see how he can do. Uh, like I said, do a rotation with whoever we get. I, I like. I also like. Uh, I know that uh, Bakayoko has had said some comments uh, when he left. Maybe getting him on, like you said, lower end of the value uh, wise, that that would be a good signing. Kind of do a point and try and get him to get back up to like that level where he was with uh, Monaco. Yeah, uh, you know that'd be an interesting pairing between Paredes and him. Kind of dual it out. 
I remember by Kayoko, um, the, the, the great year Monaco reached the semis of the Champions League against us. Oh my God. Oh my God, he broke us. Just him. He completely smashed our midfield. He was a train. That's the impact. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Bakayoko, he had apparently a very, very bad first season uh, with AC Milan. And uh, this season, now you're starting to see on YouTube, you know, Bakayoko videos and all, and he's coming back. His adaptation was apparently difficult. Mm-hmm. Can, can we talk about Ndombele from Leon going to Tottenham for, what was it, 60 million? I mean, was this a player that just flat out said he didn't want to come to PSG or were we not? Because at that price, at his quality, why weren't we more active in trying to sign him? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the I, fact, I don't understand that. No, but the fact that he's going to, to Tottenham is interesting, though. Yeah. I mean, everybody was on him, so he must have been set. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe Hugo Loris talked to him and said, you know, we need you so bad. Why? Well, we have Sissoko. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's an incredible grab, uh, incredible get by, by Tottenham. Incredible get. Yeah. The price, um, well, so it's apparently 68 million pounds mm-hmm. plus lots of bonuses. Yeah. And he's the biggest uh, transfer out in their history. Yeah, in their history. Yeah. So it's not hundred million. Why were we not? I don't. Where maybe we? I don't know. I don't know. He's um, a release scratcher. He's a. He's a. He's got the potential to be a new Patrick Vieira. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember Patrick Vieira on a football pitch. Oh my goodness! This guy. Was incredible, and it's a similar player. He's a he's a bit faster and more dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a good passer, and now he's a, he's an incredible. Tottenham are lucky. I don't know. Yeah, I would wonder if it's that relationship with uh, Jean Michel Aulas and uh, Olympique de you know Lyonnais, and uh, I think maybe that plays a role in the communication being a little hard between those two clubs. I, I know he said he wants to keep players in France. But it doesn't seem that he's willing to bring down the price a little bit or work with PSG to keep him around, you know. Well, also, a good point. we change our sports director right, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> before the transfer window. Oh. Yeah. So maybe Henrique was on NDBD. I've heard, I've read rumors on Twitter that, you know, they had, and of course, they have different opinions. And uh, I, for sure, there was contact between Paris Saint-Germain and, and Dombele. Several, I mean, they, they met his entourage, they met his family. There, there was uh, contacts for months with Dombele. And he was, he was a target. The guy really wanted to join the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And listen, he's moving to the Champions League finalist. Mm-hmm. A brand new stadium, a historical club, um, hello, Robbie. Really good fans. Um, good for him. <laughs> it would have been great at Paris Saint-Germain. There are other profiles. We'll be okay without Ndombele. Yeah. But boy, we need, we need a guy or two like now. Yeah. And, yeah. and we still don't know. We, we don't know what's going on. 
We don't, we don't know how much money we have. We don't know if Neymar is going to stay. I mean, it's exhausting to be a PSG fan. But um, what are you going to do? Uh-oh, my internet connection is... I think a lot of things are going to be... Oh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of things are probably held up with this Neymar. I think that's, after the first two signings, I think that's where Leonardo has his focus and what to do with Neymar. Does he really want to stay? Okay, no, you want to go working out that deal with Barcelona. Yeah, they get a hurry up. Um, Hopefully that doesn't drag on all summer and we lose out on other players. Hopefully they can wrap that up quickly, but I doubt it. Okay. So, so let's be optimistic. Yeah. Uh, we keep Neymar, we keep Mbappé. Uh, we get a little bit more players on the, in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, good players, um, utility players, gritty players. One physical defensive midfielder. Um, if we keep all our current goalkeepers, well, Buffon came back to Juvent- Ju- Juve and it was his, the most beautiful day of his life. <laughs> um, if we don't get uh, Dona from AC Milan, we we'll may get him next season. The goalkeeper is not the high priority. The midfield is. We find up front, especially with Sarabia. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good get. Is it, I mean, he's coming to Paris from Sevilla. The last guy who came from Sevilla, footcake, <laughs> had a hard time adapting to Paris. To Paris, it's a, but um, he, he looks um, like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's happy to join, and he's versatile. He can play on the right. He can play on the left. He's a good ten. He's gritty. This is a fantastic get. Um, we may see. A real football team this season, guys. That's the hope, anyway. Oh, my God. We're jinxing it. <laughs> jinxing it so badly. I mean, we, we've got a good manager. The attack with Sarabia coming in. Neymar stays. Mbappe. Cavani could stay. Angel Di Maria. I mean, that's, that's a top five attack in Europe. We get another good defensive midfielder to pair with Verratti and Paredes. I mean, that's a, that's a good spine to your team. And then our defense, Juan Bernat, Thiago Silva. I mean, we're not that far removed from having a, a team that could really compete in the Champions League. Or just... We're really close. Just, like, play real football games, not yeah. FIFA. Just, like, even if we lose, you know, like, like Manchester City this season, they, 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 they lost, but they, they were a bit unlucky, and they were so close... It happens. This is football. We want to see football. We want to see mm-hmm. some real football, not some <laughs> bullshit, whatever it was. Whatever that was at the end of last season. Let's just play football with the players, the new arrivals and, and the players we have now and a new sporting director. Let's tighten the club. Let's balance the club. A little less Hollywood, a little bit more football, and then we'll have a great season. Even if we don't win the Champions League next season, it'd be too bad because we're not going to keep Neymar and Mbappe forever, guys. Let's let's be real here. Um, I don't believe it. We're keeping Mbappe forever. I know. Right? <laughs> uh, this season is um, 
we say it every season, but this season is very important. Very, yeah. very important. I think like you said the impo- it's going to be very important to bulk up our, our bench. You know, like uh, we, like you saw this year, we had a lot of trouble keeping a healthy squad. And um, like you said, you can't build a team around a bunch of superstars. You got to try and get those, that bench players, you know, good bench players. And um, like I said, it's going to be very interesting that situation where we don't have a reserve team anymore. Um, I, I would like to see which teams are, like I said, uh, Valenciennes, Lens, kind of work a deal out to maybe send out somebody, some people, maybe bring some people from their team up to ours, kind of bulk up our ranks. Um, it'll be, that, that'll be interesting to see that development. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the injuries, we, you know, Jonathan Johnson mentioned the overhaul of the medical staff. I think that could be kind of an under-the-radar move that could really pay off in the Champions League. So hopefully come you know, February, March, when we're deep in the Champions League, we won't have these nagging hamstring injuries and things like that. Yeah. And if we do, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to have your whole team fit mm-hmm. that part of the season. But with more bench depth, depth and a guy like Sarabia mm-hmm. that gives Tuchel a lot more options. Yeah. So and also Draxler may still be around. That's true. So now we have Sarabia, Draxler, Neymar, Cavani, Mbappe. Shupomoting. Damn good team. I, it, we're really close. I mean I I hate to be the the cheerleader, but I'm I'm getting excited about this season. If we can bring in a, maybe a Julian Weigel or someone like that that Tuchel could really, you know, bring into the team and mold and get him to do what he wants tactically. I mean, we're really close. Did you see how nasty Herrera is on the football pitch? Yeah. <laughs> oh my! He's God. a hell of a player. A lot of the Manchester United fans who uh, follow us were saying, you know, take good care of him. I mean, they were really upset to leave him. It's, it was kind of in contrast to us with Rabio. I mean, I kind of wanted Rabio to stay just because we needed some depth in the midfield, but we were like, whatever, Juventus, he's your problem now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watch his uh, defensive transitions, Juve fans. And uh, let's, check, let's check the Rabio situation in six months. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't believe in Rabio anymore. Uh, I want Juventus in the Champions League so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know he would score against us. Of course he would. Careful of course, you wish for. But what what would he celebrate? Oh, he probably would. Yeah. <laughs> and all the cameras would turn to his mother. Oh yeah. All right, guys. It's it's late. It's yeah. Middle of the night. Well, it's early. Yeah, <laughs> not for me though. Um, anything else? I think we covered uh, a lot of subjects we did yeah no nothing nothing else for me we we've got mark uh, damon and i we're going to record something tomorrow so look for that so we've got a lot of content there's been a lot of psg news so make sure you subscribe and keep visiting the site um we are slowly but surely becoming content producers so on top of podcasts mm-hmm. um psg talk uh listeners and watchers you are going to, it's not going to come fast because making content is, is difficult and, and takes time. But little by little on the YouTube channel, you're going to start seeing stuff that we made, stuff, yes. stuff that we shot, produced. Um, I don't want to say too much, no. but it's very exciting. 
very very exciting and we're really happy um the 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 way things are developing with the the blog and podcasts mm -hmm. we're really happy with this yeah. with these good words i wish you gentlemen a good morning <laughs> night yeah. i'm going to bed yeah and uh we will talk to you soon or Oh, you're in